This podcast has been brought to you with the support of Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. With a Wise account, you can send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Whether you're traveling through Asia, freelancing in France, or buying that dream property in Oz, Wise is the easy way to connect all your finances internationally. You can even send money home to mum in minutes. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com. Kia ora, I'm Damien Venuto. It's November 11th and this is a special edition of The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Americans have headed to the polls to make their voices heard in their midterm elections. Most anticipated a red wave to sweep over the nation, with Republicans expected to take both the House and the Senate after waging a campaign centered on spreading the false narrative that the 2020 election was rigged. But things haven't turned out like that. The race has instead been far closer, with President Joe Biden calling it a good day for democracy. So why did the red wave not materialize? And what does this mean for the prospects of former President Donald Trump running again in 2024? Today, I'm joined by TVNZ US correspondent Anna Burns-Francis, who will help us get a grip on the changing political landscape in the United States. Anna, we're recording this on Friday morning, NZ time. Some of the races are yet to be called. At this stage, though, what have been the key results in the U.S. Congress? We are still waiting for those key results in Arizona and Nevada, but we always knew that a lot of these states were going to be very close margins, and it actually just comes down to how each state is allowed to count their votes and how quickly they started counting early votes. And in particular, we saw Pennsylvania really come through, thank (laughs) goodness, after all of that stuff over the ballot stuffing and Dominion voting machines last time after the last election. Pennsylvania was the one we were keeping an eye on because of the legal challenges, but also because of what the result might be. And it has gone in favor of the Democrats. That's a huge win for them because they haven't retained it. They've flipped it. It's been a red seat. They've picked it up as a blue seat and they really needed that. And it's such a tight race. Conversely, though, not everything has gone their way. And we used to see Florida, you know, be a real swing state. And now we've actually seen it just become a red state nearly the entire way down the ballot. It is Republican, 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 which is a huge change in just a few short years. A resounding win for the Florida governor there, Ron DeSantis. We have embraced freedom. We have maintained law and order. We have protected the rights of parents. We have respected our taxpayers, and we reject woke ideology. Florida is where woke goes to die. A big concern in the run-up to this election was that Republican election deniers could take key state positions. Has that come to fruition? Yeah, there was about, what was it, I think, Half of everyone on the ballots was an election denier and half of them were expected to do really well. And honestly, you've got to say for democracy, thank goodness they didn't. Because putting that sort of rhetoric into the public space for so long really did undermine confidence on both sides of what they thought would happen to their vote. We saw a lot of this year Republicans still getting an early mail-in vote, but they waited until election day to actually post it through the box. That has also slowed things down. But the red wave hasn't come through. 
basically people are sick of partisan politics. They're sick of these political attacks. You know, we've always seen those really, we would probably think of them as quite unusual political attack ads where they go after each other. So-and-so is tough on crime, but what he doesn't tell you is that his wife is a murderer type thing. You know, they're really weird ads. And then what we've really seen this time is that actually people are so consumed by some really big issues in this country. Number one, the economy. And number two, personal freedoms, personal choice, the right to an abortion. Concerns that restricting that that sort of human right will then restrict other sorts of human rights like gay marriage and the like, that we've really seen voters on both sides look to who is actually going to suit them and represent their values on those issues best rather than going over the same dirty rhetoric we've seen for the last two years going on and on about an election that was a couple of years ago. You've endorsed more than 330 candidates this election cycle. Win or lose, the results for Republicans, how much of that will be because of Donald Trump? Well, I think if they win, I should get all the credit. And if they lose, I should not be blamed at all, okay? But it'll probably be just the opposite. Former U.S. President Donald Trump has also weighed into this election, and he endorsed a number of those questionable candidates you just mentioned. Did this end up doing more harm or good to the Republican Party? Absolutely. You've got to say when you look at the results, it did more harm. And you look at the likes of Lauren Boebert, you know, she really did not end up coming through and performing. You know, there will be an example for everything. Marjorie Taylor Greene swept into her seat. So there are still people who deny the election and back Donald Trump who have made it into Congress. But by and large, they haven't. And when we spoke to people, Republicans mostly, through the southern states that we toured over the last week, this message was the same the whole way through. They were Republicans through and through. They believed in conservative values, but they were not sure that Donald Trump was going to be the right person to lead the next election. So you've got a guy who lost the last election. They weren't sure about his behavior for the last two years and the sorts of candidates he was putting up on this election. You've got to think he's not a popular guy leading into any further presidential bids. Given that the Republicans are still likely to take the House of Representatives, why have the Democrats viewed this election result in a positive light? Why was Biden so happy about the results? Well, I mean, he did point out yesterday he was overly optimistic, perhaps, going into this election that it wouldn't be a bad result. But a lot of other Democratic leaders had been warning us that it was not looking good for them. They too were expecting this red wave just because they have performed quite poorly on the economy in a sense of how it's presented to the public. Actually, the gas prices have come down or that prices across the board aren't as runaway or as bad as some people might think. You know, we haven't reached a recession yet, for example, but it's the public messaging that matters. And they were getting nailed by Republicans on this. So they were quite fearful that was going to impact them. Okay, they have, it looks like, lost the House but that's a whole lot better than losing everything and feeling like the public messaging is that they've done really badly. Instead, they can paint this at least as a win, even if in effect it means they probably still won't achieve much in the next two years. The one thing that was interesting about watching this campaign from afar was that both sides were essentially running a campaign centred on Trump's false narrative that the 2020 election was a fraud. Democrats told voters that this was a fight for democracy itself, while Republicans urged voters to seek revenge for the imaginary wrong that they suffered. So how did these two narratives play out on the day? 
Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, if you watch a state-by-state breakdown, a regional breakdown of how the country has voted, really in those states where people heard that message and they felt that perhaps the historic policies or the politics of their state meant that they could swing either way or they felt like they needed to push back against that Republican messaging, we really saw a huge turnout from Democrats. They really pushed back and came out and voted in big numbers. But you're seeing quite a funny effect in states like New York, perhaps, which we obviously, it's a blue state, politicians there, they had the same messaging, but Democrats didn't really feel there was a sense of urgency in protecting that. They perhaps maybe feel a bit too relaxed about New York being considered a safe state or a sanctuary state when it comes to these sorts of issues. And you look at the results, every single House seat that the Democrats had that came up for election has swapped to a Republican one. They've lost really badly in states like New York because they didn't push home that messaging enough to voters that they needed to turn out. Where people felt like they were under attack, that democracy was something worth fighting for, they've really come out and voted, and that saved the Democrats. The other factor that's been hanging over this election is the US Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade earlier this year. Did that have a major impact on any of the results? It certainly has, and it's waxed and waned, really, the issue on abortion, because when that Supreme Court draft was first leaked, there was a huge uproar. And then, of course, the actual decision reinforced the draft. Nothing had changed, and people really felt like this was going to have to be a really big election issue. But within the months in between, it did get overshadowed quite a bit by gas prices, the economy, Donald Trump being on the road, a whole lot of other factors came into play. And the tricky thing is abortion is one of those issues that you will feel very personally strong about, particularly if you're from an affected group. But a lot of people don't consider it something that they need to think about in their everyday lives. And when they're pumping gas or they're paying for groceries, those things are going higher up the list of what worries them. There's a lot of talk about crime rising, rates rising in, in multiple cities, you know, not just the New Yorks, but also in red states as well, where there are issues around homicide rates, carjackings, those sorts of things. But what we saw as we got closer and closer to election day, abortion moved up the list. So suddenly by the end of polling leading into election day, it was maybe the number one or number two issue that some people were voting on. When we talked to them, it was either number one or two that they named. So it certainly became one of the items on the ticket. And we saw certain governors in certain states pushing for this to be their platform that they were campaigning on. And in multiple states, we also saw them voting on proposals. Michigan, again, it had Prop 3, which has now passed resoundingly so that's guaranteed in the state constitution a woman's right to an abortion. So it did become, even in its own right, an election issue. This is, in fact, bad for the Democrats. They're going to misread this. It's like, oh, we won. Joe Biden was not punished. This morning, had there been a big red wave, everybody would be going, blame Joe Biden. Can't say that now. You can't say that right now. Forget the red wave, the red tide, whatever it was. It doesn't matter at this point. Single women and voters under 40 have been captured by Democrats. So we need these ladies to get married. And given that many Republicans are pushing election conspiracy theories and coming for women and LGBT plus rights, why do you think the Democrats didn't do a better job in this election? It's a tough one to answer. You've got to look at some races and think, how on earth could you have picked that Republican candidate over a Democratic one? But again, American politics, particularly what's been driven home over the last couple of years, has divided everyone so significantly. You know, I think you'd genuinely be hard pushed to find a true independent voter. And once people are divided down those party lines, they'll vote down the ballot like this. 
pretty much for their whole lives. And it doesn't matter who is standing. They'll go the same way as they've signed up to vote, either a Republican or either a Democrat. So it was what the public messaging was pushing, what these politicians were pushing. And for Republicans, they learned quite quickly to just be quiet about abortion. Don't talk about it too much because then it did become an issue for more moderate Republicans who were thinking, well, actually, maybe I should vote for a Democrat or maybe I should register as independent this time. So you know, for a lot of people, they're pretty entrenched in their political views over the last couple of years. And it will probably be a changing candidate from the Republican Party that might see a little more flexibility and maybe a little bit more bipartisanship over the coming years. Anna, Trump has all but said that he will run for president again. He was expected to formally announce his campaign next week. Is that still on the agenda? Well, who knows? We had expected the announcement to be at his last rally in Ohio. We knew his whole family were in the crowd, but that was actually where he pitched making a major announcement for next week, as you say, at Mar-a-Lago in Florida. Now, if it didn't happen in Ohio, will it happen in Florida? Well, he's saying, the messaging out today is that he's absolutely committed to that. But we have heard his advisors saying on cable television here in the States, no, we've told the president, don't do it. You have to wait and see what happens in Georgia. Because, of course, that election result was not a good look for the Republicans and not a good look for Trump-endorsed candidates. He had hand-picked these guys to run for office, you know, the likes of Dr. Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania, although he is blaming Melania for that choice. Either way, it had his name all over it, and he did campaign for the guy, and it hasn't turned out well. So he's not delaying his announcement so far that we're aware of, but I would think that in the next seven days, a whole lot of things could happen that might see him wait until after Georgia, and depending on how the mood is, we've seen his favourite tabloid in the last couple of days turn against him, he might decide that it's not worth his effort to run at all. Florida would also be an interesting choice for that announcement, given that the only Republican to have really celebrated the last week is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who is quickly emerging as what could be the front runner for the Republicans at the next election. They do not like each other, those two. You know, they held rallies in Florida only miles apart from each other on the same day and did not mention each other. Well, Trump has mentioned DeSantis in the past. He calls him DeSanctimonious. He's already obviously preparing the rallying cry if he needs to fight a challenger for that Republican nominee. But you've got to think it's going to be one of those two guys running for the next presidential election. And perhaps that tells you quite a bit about how Florida has turned so red as well, that both of the candidates are coming from that state. Certainly, it's going to be a tough climb if he thinks that it's a good idea to run against Ron. Ron certainly seems to be sweeping the more popular conservative mood that's less into these partisan politics and these attacks. Donald Trump was also overheard saying on a plane ride back to Mar-a-Lago the other night, he saw Ron DeSantis on the television and reportedly said, that guy's an idiot. He definitely shouldn't run in 2024. He should wait until 2028. So perhaps between them, they might come to some sort of deal. But whether it's Ron in the driver's seat or Trump at the end of it, we'll have to wait and find out. Now, while this was a bad election for Trump, it also wasn't great for Biden. He has reiterated this week that he has not decided yet if he will run for re-election with a decision likely to come early next year. My judgment of running when I announce, if I know my intention is that I run again, but I'm a great respecter of fate, and this is ultimately a family decision. I think everybody wants me to run, but they're going, we're going to have discussions about it. How do people on the ground feel about the prospect of him potentially running again? Are there any other candidates the Democrats are eyeing as a possible replacement? 
you know, I don't think the Democratic Party even has to do a paid focus group to find out whether Biden should run again. He shouldn't. He's not popular. And you can see that with his approval ratings. They were scraping the 40s. And that's why everyone was so surprised the Democrats ended up doing so well out of this midterm election cycle. He's also kind of old, right? Like he does seem to struggle with getting through press conferences coherently with his public messaging. That's not a good look when you are up against a Republican challenger who will be quick around the mouth and really know how to put on a public show. The Democrats need to find a similar candidate who also aligns with their more left-leaning values. Whether they have someone in the wings, we haven't seen it yet. What about those younger Democrats that have long been grappling for the party to become more progressive and to change? Are they going to have any influence? Are they perhaps backing a potential candidate? You've got to think that they've always got their eye on gaining more of a foothold within the Democratic Party. But the funny thing is when I try to explain to Americans in particular how we see their political system, you know, we sit probably even our middle ground politics would sit to their very far left. They are so far off publicly accepting as a society some of the ideas that we consider quite normal, free healthcare, free education, the right to choose, those sorts of things, that really that is going to always perhaps be a fringe element of the Democratic Party. And it's really just such a surprise to us that the far right fringe of the Republican Party made so much ground. And perhaps now with this recent midterm election cycle, we're seeing a shift, fingers crossed, to more normalcy, that we don't see these fringe elements really trying to have a huge impact. And while personally I might agree with quite a few elements of the far left, they've always struggled to gain ground and they probably will do so That's into it the for future. This episode of the Thanks Front for joining page. us, Anna. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in on Monday for another look behind the headlines.